0: Hey, how you doing Ignite City? Hey, I wanted to take us through a little bit of 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, especially verse 12 today. Uh, it stood out when I was uh, spending time with Jesus this morning. In the context of what Peter's starting off, and think about this is the beginning of his letter, um, and he's actually writing to a bunch of Christians who have been dispersed throughout, this, uh, throughout all over the place. I mean, he mentions here in verse 1, in Portus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, and so they've been they've been pushed out, um, uh, connected to persecution. Um, but I like that he calls them the elect exilers or the chosen exiles. But he uses exiles and sojourners a couple of times so far from what I've been reading, and I think it's a good reminder to us um, that we remember that we like we are here for a little while, but we this is not home. Home is coming. We're sojourners here. And we have something. We have something to do. We have something to accomplish. And so then he goes from that. And then when you jump down to verse six, let's say verse six, he says, "In this you rejoice," and it's in this. It's it's in this salvation we have. So by God's power, this salvation or this inheritance that's ours, it's imperishable and undefiled. It's being kept or guarded, um, uh, looked out after or looked uh, uh, looked out for. God himself is protecting our inheritance, and that's ultimate salvation of when we get to see Jesus. And it says, in this you rejoice, that's the salvation, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So he's not, he's not saying, okay, because you love Jesus, something's great. He's actually saying, hey, I know that many of you are just going through a really difficult time. But he he points them back to, hey, but remember, um, God is guarding that which is imperishable. The, our ultimate, the ultimate fulfillment of our relationship with Him is still coming, uh, but remember, we're exiles. We're sojourners on this planet. And then uh, He goes on, verse seven, so that the so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about it. the. The tested genuineness of our faith. So the tested genuineness of my faith is it comes through my going through trials. My faith is tested and the result is supposed to be praise and glory and honor at the revealing of Jesus when he comes back. Uh, verse 8, though, though you have not seen him, you love him. Isn't that true? Like we haven't seen Jesus now, but we love him. If you're a follower of Jesus, He said, man, I just love Jesus. He's talking to you as well. It says, though you do not see him, uh, you believe you believe in him and rejoice with joy that it is that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Gosh, doesn't that sound like the kind of joy that you want? The kind of joy that's inexpressible. And it's filled with glory. It's not just happiness that we settle for because we found some trinket or shiny thing or newer phone with better camera or, or we got noticed more on social media. If you're on social media, it's like uh, or, or, or more, or even and we can look and say and some of these things can be good. Uh, like we get a promotion at work, it's like okay, I can, I can, I can get excited about that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that. But what if we don't settle for just those human achievements? But we're always saying okay, but I want the joy that God provides. I want, I want the joy that God gives me. And His joy is inexpressible and filled with glory. Verse nine, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And then he goes to verse ten. He says, concerning the salvation, the prophets, now he's speaking about the Old Testament prophets. He says, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Now, this is the part that got me in verse 12. He says, it was revealed to them, the prophets of old, that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So the things that we've received, like the good news is ours, our right standing with God, our being restored and redeemed into relationship with God through Jesus. The angels have longed to peer into that story, but don't completely get it. They don't understand it. And so when you look and go, okay, so angels wish they could get it. The Holy Spirit's revealed to the prophets, hey, what you're doing is not just for now, but it's going to impact generations down the road. So again, verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. So this is, I don't know, man, hundreds of years after the prophets were walking in the Old Testament, doing the things that God had called them to do. It says that it was revealed to them that they weren't only... Uh, doing things for themselves, and I would say themselves and that generation that they were in, but the generations to follow. And it was revealed to them. And so in my journal, I wrote this down. I said, so the prophets were not only serving their generations, but any, every generation after them. And I prayed this, God, thank you for those who've poured into me with the gospel. I started thanking God. I just started thinking through, and this isn't an exhaustive list. I was just trying to get through some through through some names, um, but I've got uh, I've got old youth pastors. Um, I've got pastors that were uh, that were that helped me as I started out in the ministry. So Pastor Don, when I was at Cornerstone, Pastor Bruce, uh, when I was at Cornerstone, they were pouring into me. I've had a mentor named Mike. Um, of, gosh, for 29 years, um, youth pastors and wives. So Cameron and Beth and. My first youth pastor ever was Tony, and the list could go on and on and on of those who God used to uh, to to preach the gospel into me. I mean, there's plenty of people who've had an impact on my life and g- helping me grow as a as a as a man or as growing maturity from a human standpoint. But when you start getting into those who poured into me uh, with the spiritual aspect, with the gospel, which really impacts me as a whole. Man, I just started writing those names down and I just thought, man, God, you have been so good. And then what I did is I wrote this. I said, but also thank you for those who poured into them. See, someone poured into those people who have had an influence in me and some people, some people poured into those who had an influence on the prior. And it's just been generation after generation after generation, all the way back to the beginning of the church that somehow I'm connected, my knowing Christ is connected, and I do understand theologically I was chosen before the foundation of the world according to Ephesians 1. I get that, and I, and I hold to that. It's all by God's grace. Even the people working in my life is by God's grace, but they were obedient to share the gospel from the place where the church began uh, in Jerusalem, like the church started, and then it moved, And it continued, and people were just faithful in sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus. And the highest majority of them did not do it to be known or to be noticed. They weren't posting things. They were there. I mean, think about it. This idea of YouTube and video and podcasts—this is so new compared to uh, compared to the history of the world. And yet followers of Jesus just stayed faithful as it moved along and came to my generation when I surrendered to Jesus. And then I said, God, would you help me to be faithful? And not only serving this generation, but to but to serve in such a way that I'm impacting generations to follow. I mean, hundreds, thousands of years, however long we have left. And not, no one really knows. No one has a guess. All I can say is that we're closer now than we've ever been to the return of Jesus. That's all I can say. But I'm so thankful for those who poured into me. And I want to be the kind of person and, fo- and I want to be the kind of Christ follower who understands, hey, I have been called to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus, not just from behind the pulpit, not just from those places where I'm heard more because I'm wearing a microphone or from a podcast like this or a a message video on YouTube or anything. I'm just saying, what if I just pour into people and the majority of the time people aren't even hearing about it because I believe in the necessity of the gospel and I believe that people need Jesus and without Jesus, people will spend eternity away from him in hell. That's true. But even on top of that, on top of that, to not, be in, to not be in tight relationship with the God of the universe, friends, that's what we are created for. I want to see this world change for Jesus. And I believe, and I say this always, um, almost always at the end of our worship service, we just keep asking God, who's the one? Who's the one that you want me to impact? Who's the one? And we can even go deeper. God, who's the one you want me to disciple? And disciple in such a way that they'll become a disciple maker. And then they'll go out and do the same thing. They'll find the one and disciple them so that they become a disciple maker. And friends, that's how multiplication happens. It's not like, hey, I finished one, I've discipled one person, I'm finished, I just wait for heaven. No, 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 One, I just keep going. I just want to keep making disciples. And isn't that how it's supposed to be? And when Jesus gave the great commission, he says, go make disciples, plural, go make disciples, go get as many as you can and keep going until we're finished. And so friends, I want to encourage us, one, I want just write down write down names of people who have impacted you with the gospel that God has used to grow you in your relationship with Jesus, but starting with starting with the person or people that you heard the gospel from for the first time, introduced you to Jesus and how to be reconciled to God. Man, write their names down. Maybe even send them an email or text just to thank them again, to say, God, I just want or God, or you can, I mean, pray. But even as you text them, just say, I just wanted to thank God for you because of what it is that you did. You shared the gospel with me. And then let's move forward with this mentality the same way that the prophets did. We're not just about this generation. We're about the following generations. And I'm not even saying just the kids who are in our church communities. I'm saying for generations that aren't even here yet, that if the Lord doesn't come back for the next couple hundred years, we're thinking, how could I impact uh, how can I impact the generation that's coming one hundred and fifty two years from now with the gospel? How can I be faithful and pray for them and pray for revival and pray for renewed passion and pray for the disciples who experienced persecution and pray for them the same way that we've had prophets who've gone before us, people who were before those who came to uh, before those who led us to Jesus and discipled us from when the church began until now, it's like a family line. It's a family lineage and may we continue our part may we be known as those who did well in making disciples so friends that's what I'm, that's my that's my invitation to you write down the names of those that you've had an impact on and then keep asking god who's the one who's the one you want me to impact to make a disciple maker friends i hope that's a I hope that's an encouragement and a challenge i love you more than you know we'll see you later